How do you keep over 30,000 students safe during a pandemic? I'm your host, Alfred Jones, and today I've got a panel of Lafayette Public School System administrators who will tell us exactly how they did just that and how they continue to do it. From putting nurses in schools to rearranging classrooms for social distancing, this is how LPSS fights COVID. Now on 10 Talks Acadiana. 10 Talks Acadiana. The podcast powered by KLFY.com. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in for this week's edition of 10 Talks Acadiana. We've got a few more additional guests today, and they're all from the Lafayette Parish School System. Uh, starting to my left, we have Superintendent Ms. Irma Trosclair, and we also have Ms. Tracy Hippolyte. And Tracy, I didn't get your position. Transformation Zone Officer. Transformation Zone Officer. And over here to my right, we have Mr. Francis Touchette in your position. Associate Superintendent. Associate Super. And Dr. Mark Rabelais. Chief Academic Officer. Chief Academic Officer. First, I want to thank everybody for joining us uh, here at the News 10 Studios. And of course, we are here to talk about <coughs> the, um, I guess, the, the climate, the culture of the Lafayette Parish School System. And Superintendent, we'll start with you um, navigating through a COVID year. Uh, what has that been like thus far? Well, it's it's been quite the roller coaster, um, I think for all of us and for our state and our nation um, in and outside of, of education. Um, for us, when we closed schools, when the governor announced March 13th, last year the closure of all schools statewide, um, in my mind and I think in the mind of a lot of people, um, we thought we were going to close for the 14 days and everything would get back to normal. Mm -hmm. um, but of course that's not what happened and we were just thrown in um, a situation of many, many unknowns. Um, of a lot of learning, um, a lot of decisions on both sides that were popular with some and unpopular with others. Um, not an easy situation at all. Um, but we started out with, like Dr. Rabelais mentioned um, in a conversation we had yesterday, of trying to close out the school year. And I'll let him talk a little bit about that. So it wasn't just the fact that we were closing and working to think of how we would reopen, but also we needed to navigate a successful close to a school year that in March just abruptly ended. Um, but it's it's been a, a challenging year for us as leaders, for our community and our families, for our students, for our educators and our school leaders. Um, I don't think there's any department within our organization, any individual that um, hasn't had to really step up and go far above and beyond to try to make things happen for kids. And so far we've made it, um, what is this, month five? So we are in um, already uh, almost the at the end of March. March. Yeah. yeah, and we have successfully mm -hmm and safely kept schools open in Lafayette Parish. And that's something that I'm very proud, I'm grateful of for our students. Um, but that, didn't, that, that took a lot of work yeah. and a lot of preparation to make sure that although we're an educational institution and that's our priority, right. that our priority certainly became health and safety first <laughs> because we, we knew that we needed to keep our staff healthy, our students, our families, our community. Um, but with that, in the forefront of our mind was also the academic crisis 
that we could and would be in if we didn't get kids back to instruction as soon as we as possible. Let's talk about some of that preparation that you all went into or that, uh, that went into getting kids and teachers back on campus safely. So uh, as a superintendent stated, um, you know, after those 14 days, we knew that it was, it was important that if we were going to get back to teaching and learning, mm -hmm. we would have to really shift our priorities to how do we get schools to be safe? How do we feel, how do we get uh, our, our teachers and our, our administrators to be, you know, safe with all the different things? So what we've basically went into the mode of is we started to start thinking, right, everyone that is going to come into a school setting mm -hmm. is going to have to have a temperature check. Every single person that comes into a classroom is going to have to have temperature checks. We're talking about students, teachers, Adults, support staff. essential personnel that, that, that would report to a school site. There was going to be temperature checks that were going to be there. In addition to providing PPE equipment, mm -hmm. making sure that everyone has masks, make sure that everyone has hand sanitizers, that there's gloves, nurses have gowns. Uh, at all of our schools, our nurses are there to kind of help support these different endeavors. So uh, that took a lot of effort. Uh, we have right now at every one of the entrances coming in uh, a walkthrough a thermometer to where every adult could actually use their wrist or forehead to actually get a temperature. Uh, every one of our teachers, we bought over 5,000 individual thermometers. Uh, they checked their kids uh, in first hour. Uh, we also followed up with checks at midday uh, to make sure that if anything would take place uh, thereafter. So um, our adults have really gone through uh, a lot um, but again, the, the most important thing for us to get to, uh, the thing about us, what we're focusing right now, which is teaching and learning, we had to make sure that it was safe. And I really feel good that these protocols, even when we as district people go into the schools, mm -hmm. we are required to take temperatures. We are required to document. We are required to go through the same protocol that every other employee or essential personnel has to go through. Sir, I know the uh, superintendent spoke about uh, you all being educators first, and now everybody has to take on the role of some some version of a nurse. Uh, exactly. And I know that had to be challenging um, in an education field, because I know me, I, I'm not a fan of needles or blood. Right. So I stayed away from the medical field. Right. Uh, now to have this not necessarily thrown in your lap, but you know, now we've got another responsibility to these sure. kids and parents and our, everyone in our district to keep everyone safe. And, and we, we knew, we recognized early on that if we wanted teachers to do what they're hired to do, which is to teach, and we wanted leaders to do what they're hired to do, which is to lead, and knowing how important it was that we had the health part of it covered, um, we were very, we're very fortunate in Lafayette Parish that we have resources that a lot of districts aren't fortunate to have. Um, and we have a very supportive board who says, you know, what is it that our schools need and what our schools need, we're gonna work to get that. So we were able to put a nurse or an LPN, but a health person on every campus in Lafayette Parish and all of our schools. Not everybody can say that. We wanted to take off the plates of our leaders and our teachers who already were gonna have to step up in ways that we never imagined they would have to, that they never imagined that they would have to, but that they did so for children. And we also wanted the, the right documentation. 
good contact tracing. Um, making sure that if a child or a staff member was quarantined that those, those guidelines were followed. So we were able to put a nurse or LPN on every single campus in Lafayette Parish. Awesome. And I know another uh, aspect of uh, preparation for the school year or everyday school day was getting everybody to campus. And Ms. Hippolyte, that's why I'd like to bring you in, uh, where physical distancing has become one of our new normals. How do you go about planning and executing said plan to get all these students to campus? So one of the things that was important was to make sure that we followed all the protocols by CDC and keeping our students at least six feet apart. So some of those preparations happened with our school leaders and so that was something that they reinforced every single day just by monitoring to make sure that we were keeping not only our students safe, mm -hmm. but also our faculty and staff. Yeah, I know bus drivers, uh, are bus drivers alone on the bus or did we put extra help on the bus? Some of our buses do have aids mm -hmm. on the bus um, and, and we, we work that out as we see the greatest need. Mm -hmm. um, but they all had cameras. They, they all, all had cameras for contact tracing, and that's right. That was absolutely instrumental in, in right. keeping up with we all of that. We supplied buses with masks. Mm -hmm. we, we certainly didn't want a kid to be turned away at the bus stop if he or she didn't have a mask right. on. So our buses continue to this day to have a, a additional um, masks and, um, so, and hand sanitizer mm -hmm. on our buses. Mm -hmm. Transportation truly I think was one of the biggest obstacles because we're such a large district, yeah. a large district, and with our magnet academies, our buses <laughs> go across the city. Mm -hmm. um, so when we were at 50% capacity, quite a quite a struggle, mm -hmm. and that's why our middle and high schools had to stay hybrid. Was was a big piece was the transportation piece. Mm -hmm. um, when it opened to 75% capacity, mm -hmm. it gave us a little bit more wiggle room. Yeah. Um, and of course, we've been able to bring back middle, middle and high school and we have everyone in, in school now at this time. I guess it, you guys must have done a good job with that because I personally, I didn't get any calls about overcrowded buses or schools. <laughs> we will celebrate with that one. We'll celebrate with that one. And the physical distancing that you asked Ms. Hippolyte about, I mean, we worked this summer, our directors of um, elementary and our directors of middle and high mm -hmm. schools went in and Ms. Hippolyte in her schools removing unnecessary furniture, furniture to be able to spread yes. out student desks as much mm -hmm. as possible. Were we able to do that in every single situation? We were not, mm -hmm. you know, to the greatest extent possible. Mm -hmm. Six feet, always our goal, but to the greatest extent possible, limiting transitions as much as possible and making those transitions as safe as possible mm -hmm. between classes. Um, but yes, we had teachers emptying classrooms mm -hmm. this summer yes. and doing what it, what, what it, what it took, yeah. One of the major aspects of distance learning was making sure each student had a computer, um, internet access, and uh, of course the support they need to complete those tasks. Uh, Dr. Rabelais, what, what went into organizing that, that schedule and getting all those students the supplies they needed? Uh, quite a bit. <laughs> so we, uh, so Ms. Tross had mentioned that closing out the end of last year. So one of the first things we had to do in closing out last year was start to poll our students and parents on what their current connectivity was. Because to Ms. Trostclair's point, we didn't know if we were looking at two weeks, three weeks, four months. Like there was, you think back to where we were at this time last year, it was such an unknown area. Yeah. Um, and so just not knowing where we were going as far as a, as a nation, as a, as a state, as a community, um, we started to get that information as soon as we could. So. The best thing we could do was collect good data. Mm -hmm. So we, that was one of the first things we asked our school admin to do was poll your kids, poll your parents, 
who needs a computer, who doesn't have a device at home, who does not have connectivity. If you do have connectivity, what is, you know, how powerful is it? What kind is it? Um, so we started to just collect that information at about this time last year, as soon as things started very to early. shut down. Mm -hmm. um, we also were very fortunate to have community partners and love our schools um, and others that were, were more than willing to be a part of that work sooner than later in helping us, okay, now we have this information, mm -hmm. what do we do with yeah. it, right? What are our options from here? And so they really were pivotal in helping us not only explore what we could do internally, but what outside of just LPSS was available to us. And right. so whether that was hotspots, um, we have the, the bus uh, parking spaces, the school boosters that we could push out, um, and then additional just providers in the area that were willing to work with us and our families on making sure that we could get connected. Uh, from there, it was just making sure that we purchased as many devices as we could in planning for the 2021 school year, uh, and then just putting those pieces all together once we were able to get our schools uh, up and running and getting going again um, late August and early September to, to, to make that happen. So um, it was a process that really started as soon as we were closed and continued uh, to the day we were open. I know that there, are, there were some reports that some students just couldn't get a hang of the distance learning. Uh, I'm not sure about Lafayette Parish. Can you enlighten me on how our students did virtually and if, if there was struggle are there, is there something in the works to give them the help they need? So I think, you know, um, that, that question itself, when you, you talk about distance learning, remember that we had face-to-face uh, -face full time. Mm -hmm. We had blended where a kid may come part of the week and then be distance learning the mm -hmm. other part of the week. And then we had full team virtual, like full mm -hmm. Lafayette Online Academy students. Um, in every single one of those, kids have gaps kids struggle with certain content, kids need extra help, no matter what, what format you have. Mm -hmm. So part of that conversation is how do we offer that help no matter what scenario we're in? How do we map out instruction and curriculum no matter, uh, I mean, I'm proud to say, but I hate to say that we've had to do every single one of those uh, learning formats at one point in the mm -hmm. year, whether it was full virtual for every kid, whether it was blended for children, whether it was full face-to-face, -face. but um, to answer your question, some kids just need more support and so part of that was working with the teachers to identify what specifically that support would look like for that kid and then asking the question how can we provide that support in face-to-face -face, virtual or a blended format so i'll give you an example one of the things that we did realize i think halfway through the year was uh, blended when those kids were not in attendance it was really hard to keep up with or for them to keep up with their at-home or distance learning um, assignments. So a lot of our teachers really found that the best way was just to have them zoom into the classroom um, and learn in sync, synchronously, with what was going on with the live face-to-face -face instruction. And that way the teacher was enabled then to, to intervene in the moment and they felt like students responded a lot better having that in the moment intervention as opposed to more reactive, you're at home and I'm gonna get back to you at a later point. So it was part of a learning curve for us too, right? Like we had to, as educators, realize um, our limitations and where we needed to push ourselves in, in, in our own learning to, to adapt. So as Dr. Rabelais was saying, <clears throat> even the face-to-face -face students, our elementary kids who since we started after Labor Day, who've been in school five days a week, um, full days. We have to remember that that's great. However, in, in some of those instances, a teacher may have been quarantining mm -hmm. for 14 days. Mm -hmm. 
a student, a class. So although face-to-face -face, five days a week is great, and it is, we still had those situations where lost learning was occurring because of no instruction. Mm -hmm. Our educators, however, just the great stories that we have of those mm -hmm. who even then quarantined, we told them, you know, if you're quarantined and you're, you're feeling fine and you're up to yeah. it, you can zoom in from home into the classroom. I've seen some beautiful lessons where students um, at some of our elementary schools are in class at their school. The teacher's teaching over the smart board. You can see her, she's still teaching. Yep. She's just at home. Mm -hmm. um, a para or a sub so, is supervising mm -hmm. the children. Mm -hmm. Our folks did everything they could to continue instruction for our kids. Uh, when we talk about uh, preparing for the, uh, what do you say, the end of course test, leap, and what do we do, what do we do about getting kids ready for that, uh, that aspect of education? So we've been doing our interim assessments. I'll let Dr. Rabelais mm -hmm. talk some about mm -hmm. that. Uh, some of our diagnostic tests at the beginning of the year to tell mm -hmm. us where kids are. Um, we do another one mid-year. Mid-year. So even at the, once we, we knew that we had lost a fourth of the school year. Mm -hmm. So we knew that our kids had some gaps in understanding and learning. Right. So it was important for us at the beginning of the year to give a diagnostic test, which actually uh, tested uh, the skills from the previous year. So that allowed us to see exactly what did our students know mm -hmm. and what is it that they didn't know. So that it provided us an opportunity to see our entry point in for instruction. Out of curiosity, was it was the uh, the ending of the 1920 school year? They missed those last few weeks. Did it affect them going Absolutely. into the Absolutely, Absolutely. And Dr. Robelay, Mr. Touchet, and that academic team, Ms. Hippolyte, they recognized that before we even started mm -hmm. this year. Um, those teams did work throughout the summer mm -hmm to make sure that, okay, when school starts, we need to start kids on level, but we recognize they missed a, a large chunk of learning. So they integrated skills that those kids missed from March to the end of school into lessons, in, into the pacing guides. Teachers didn't have to go search that out. Their teams recognized that and built it in for teachers so that we could help to recover some of those skills. I'll use kindergarten as an example. Kindergartners, you know, Used to, you learned to read in first grade years ago. You're, you're learning to read in kindergarten now. Um, and so kindergarten has five readers, mm -hmm. five units, five readers. When schools closed in March, our kindergartners had completed one. Mm -hmm. So that's four additional units and readers that those students were never exposed to. And then you're going into first grade. That's just one grade level. So our teams did a great job of integrating those miss standards and skills into learning this year um, so that we're, we're able to recover as we continue to try to move on on grade level curriculum. And in addition to that, I think that what, what has happened is our educators have stepped up and we are having kids come before school, we're having kids stay after school, we're providing extra tutoring. Uh, we realize that there is going to be an assessment that assessment that the state is going to give us is going to be a really good indicator of where is that loss, what what is it that we need to do, and uh, Dr. Robley and his team have, have has put together uh, a summer school that that is going to be top notch, to where we're going to provide some good quality education that's going to take place with some good educators that are going to be leading that effort. Okay, as we get closer to. 
I guess, normal. I'm not sure what that will look like. The CDC has read some reports that uh, that students may be able to be three feet apart. Um, have you all? They've already done that, Dalfrey. Already done. We 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 received from CDC and uh, LDOE mm -hmm. um, yesterday the document that now, as long as there's universal masking required, that um, students in the classroom setting can be th uh, you know, three feet apart. However, in those classes where um, students are singing, where there's more, <laughs> you know, um, um, right, and uh, playing instruments, mm -hmm. those types of things, the requirement is still, the guideline six. is still the six okay. feet. So yes. you're, um, for example, like at Northside, there's uh, the debate team of the Law Academy mm -hmm. where, of course, you need to project and speak. Uh, correct. Theater. Correct. Correct. Those things, All those activities feet, are still six feet. Math, science, English. Classroom settings. We can get more people in the classroom. Correct. Yep. More kids in the classroom. Okay. Correct, yes. Um, as we wrap up the school year here toward graduation, I know we had to do things a little different last year, uh, but those kids did get to take part in some type of ceremony. That was really important mm -hmm. to us. Yeah. Our seniors missed, you know, we knew they wouldn't have another year um, opportunity to get some of those things they missed out on last year. Prom, <laughs> um, our athletic spring sports mm -hmm. abruptly to an end. Um, so graduation was really important to us. Um, Mr. Touchette with some um, connections at UL, mm -hmm. UL stepped up and allowed us to use their, their stadium and it was a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. We sat in the heat and our family sat <laughs> in the heat in July, but the students, it was worth it to mm -hmm. them. You know, we had given out diplomas before, mm -hmm. before graduation last year, we'd given them out. So we were concerned that maybe our seniors wouldn't show up for graduation. That wasn't the case. They were there, they were in their caps and gowns, mm -hmm. sweat, <laughs> whatever the case was. Um, but that was just such an important thing for us to do for our kids. That now we've sure. been approved to have our graduation again this year in the Cajun Dome. Okay. Um, we got the um, fire marshal approved that, mm -hmm. so um, we're real excited about that. I was going to ask if uh, it could become a trend to see more outdoor graduations, but I know Louisiana, <laughs> summer. Mm -hmm. uh, if we could do them in March or April, perhaps. I might, get, I might get more calls about that. <laughs> they got us outside of King, Okay, well good. I know yeah. that the students and their families uh, that's a proud moment for a Absolutely. parent or loved one of a student. It was. Yeah. It's a it's a conclusion to many years mm -hmm. of dedication mm -hmm. and hard work yeah. and uh, so it, it means a lot. So I'm happy that we're able to return to the Cajun Dome this mm -hmm. year and recognize our students and their families. Uh, I guess in closing of um, our conversation today, I know you guys are always planning and making adjustments uh, to try and do what's best for the district. Are you already making plans for the 2021 2022 school oh, yes, year absolutely. in a COVID, hopefully a COVID-free world? Well, I, and I don't know how, I mean, I, we're going to continue with our mitigation measures in right. our school um, and until someone tells us completely otherwise right. that, you know, we're going to continue to promote safe mm -hmm. learning environments, teaching and learning environments for staff and students. Um, but our plans for next year, absolutely. Um, you know, our, our beginning for next year is, is when we start summer school this summer well, and already our tutoring that's going on across our district right now. Um, but our summer school, we wanted to make sure that we're able to recruit our best teachers, our most effective educators and leaders. So our board just recently approved an increase in pay for our summer school.
personnel so that we're getting in front of our kids who need it the most, the, the best folks that we can. Um, but no, we've been planning for next year yeah. all along, absolutely. And, and I think that COVID has, has taught us some things and mm -hmm. I think it's some things that uh, we can no doubt move forward with. And again, this, you know, we should be temperature checking people when they come into schools. We, we don't want to uh, affect anything that goes on education. I think that is a, a good thing. I think good hygiene is always, it's, it's made us more aware. This sure. is what we need to do. So I think that we've learned a lot of this, but I think that what's, what's most important is we've learned to deal with this and teaching and learning is still happening mm -hmm. in Lafayette Parish. And, and that, that, that is a good thing. And, and I'm going to, if I can, piggyback off of what Mr. Touchet just said, lessons learned. Yeah. Um, I'm going to speak a little, about, a little bit about inequity for just a minute. You know, as an educator and a principal and a former teacher, I was aware of inequities within my school and within my, or my classroom when I was a teacher. Um, I think anyone in education anywhere would say that this pandemic just brought it to the forefront more mm -hmm. for, for the public and the communities of the number of students who, um, because of living in poverty, mm -hmm. just didn't have the same educational opportunities. And I'm gonna talk about technology mm -hmm. and that digital divide. I mean, you couldn't ignore it now. Yeah. You know, yeah. perhaps you were <laughs> able to manage it a little bit better, but I never thought that it was right that some kids could go home and do a report or a research project on their computer while others had to maybe just write it on a sheet of paper. I mean, that's an inequity. We're fortunate here, our kids, we're a one-to-one -one district from pre-K through 12, um, but we're still working on the connectivity piece with hotspots and those things. That's something that regardless if kids are back in school full-time with post-COVID, mm -hmm. that's something we shouldn't go backwards. And just for people who aren't aware, one of one means one computer for, for every child. Every that's every right. Those types of things, and like he said with hygiene, those things we, we don't want to go backwards. We want to mm -hmm. continue to move mm -hmm. forward and do better for and, our people. And it pushed us, like mm -hmm. as, as a faculty, where we normally may not have given that middle school kid to bring a device home every other day. Mm -hmm. This year, we kind of didn't have a choice. Didn't and have you choice. know That's what? Right. When we did virtual days, we got all of our devices back. That's so right. it pushed us to realize that sometimes our assumptions were getting in mm -hmm. our way. Um, and so it's it's going to make us better in the long run. So Kids are a little more responsible than we give them. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. It's, it's an expectation yeah. and they rise That's to right. it. Absolutely. A great thing out of this is more kids washing their hands. I don't think we can do. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. that an and adults. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. Too. My own adult children. <laughs> All right. That will do it for this episode of 10 Talks Acadiana. We want to thank the academic staff of the Lafayette Parish School System for joining us. And until next time. 10 Talks Acadiana. Subscribe wherever podcasts are downloaded. A Nexstar Media Production.